0: This is a main hustle media podcast. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, a.k.a. Mixed Girl Maine, And here we are back for episode 20. Um, before we get started, before I talk about my guests this week and everything like that, I do want to say thank you to our audience and and our friends and everything like that for the show. There was a pretty big spike in downloads last week for John Corbin's episode, and that could be due to uh, his cache of friends and family and such like that, or it could just be that y'all are sharing the show a little bit more, because I did do a little plea for that last week, and I saw a couple of tweets and retweets extra that I had had not seen before, so um, I think it did help a lot. We did get a little bit of a spike last week, so it was nice, and what I love about that too is that hopefully means that more people got to hear John Corbin's music. He was our guest in episode one, and he came back again for episode 19 to share... Share his new album every day so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode please go back and listen to it but also follow him on social media so you can get access to his album it is on spotify right now but i think you know it's actually uh, purchasable and i'm the kind of person that thinks we should vote with our money and i am encouraging the audience to vote for mixed race music <laughs> Uh, with their money if they can so yeah check john corbin out that's j-o-n-c-o-r-b-i-n music at john corbin music on twitter and he has links to his album through there uh so yeah keep her listening keep sharing let, let your friends and family know that we're out here doesn't matter if they're mixed or not mixed this show has something for everybody if it's for mixed people if you're mixed you feel a representation you feel a visibility if you're a non-mixed person, you learn the nuance about mixed people and how to and how to engage with us and things like that. So I think there's something for everybody on this show. Certainly the messages I've received from people reflect that. So yes, please keep sharing. Help us grow. The bigger we get, the more successful, the more successful main hustle media becomes, the more access to for people of color, queer people of color, comedians and artists and musicians of color and all that kind of stuff that we can start producing more content with those things in mind. So yeah, keep sharing. Help us keep growing. And as I say every week, you know that this is a fan-sponsored show. So if you are so inclined, you can go over to patreon.com slash mix and give us a monthly sponsorship that will um depending on what level there will be different swag items i do have a couple things i need to add to that list so i'm going to update those reward levels here pretty soon and you can also if you don't want to do a monthly subscription but you do want to chip in a little bit you can hit us up at paypal.me slash mix and drop us a couple coins there uh every penny goes back into the show whether it's can helping our hosting or helping to soundproof the areas of so the quality gets a little bit better improving our equipment etc etc we're also going to I'm going to try to hit the road I'm going to I'm going to try to start doing some live tapings I do have a tentative scheduled so, uh, live taping next year I'm going to try to get a couple more and so sponsorship in, in that respect will help um, afford us the ability to travel to these other places and hopefully host some mixed race meetups and mixers and things like that uh, Mixed race mixer <laughs> uh, so yeah help sponsor us help us keep growing share with your friends tweet at us yeah keep us going. Cause this is, it's given me a lot. I hope it's given you a lot. The responses that I've been getting on social media or an email show me that there is something, there is a need here that isn't filled in other places. There are a few other mixed race podcasts out there. Some that I even listen to, but there isn't like a steady continuing mixed race experience podcast out there. I have looked high and low for this type of stuff. So the fact that it hadn't existed was the reason why I started it. And I'm hoping that, we end up having 20, 30, 100,000 of these types of podcasts coming down the pipe. But in the, in the meantime, it's this one. So help share us so we can get more access to mixed folks and get them on the show or get them listening and feeling represented. That's, um, yeah, that's it for my pleas. Now let's talk about this week's episode. My guest this week is Palmira She is a comedian of Puerto Rican heritage. She describes herself as a bi-black bitch, and, and she's actually someone that I know in real life. She is she and I connected through Marie Wachke from episode six. The, she's a stand-up comedian just like Marie. I got to watch, the first time I ever saw Palmira was actually at the Moral Support comedy sh- show at the Ruby that is curated by Marie Wachke. I got to her whole whole set was basically about all of her intersectional identity so of course I loved it because that's straight up my game so I reached out to her right away actually that night or well we were already tweeting at each other but that night we met in person it was like you got to come on this show uh, so that was a few months back but we finally made it work and she came on board to chat with me a couple weeks back so so here we go we talk about colorism In the Latin community, we talk about she. She's from New York, but she grew up here in Southern California. So she, um, she dealt with a lot of racism from Mexican people or Chicano people. So there is that. So we do talk about that that very push and pull type of relationship that Mexicans and Puerto Ricans have here in the states. Um, You know, some of this stuff is taboo, and some of this stuff is painful, but it's part of the experience. So I'm here to listen to whatever people talk about, and if their experience is this, it's important to share. Uh, so we get into it. We get dirty. We, we talk about we talk about how bad sometimes it can be, even in, in sort of the Latinx communities, internal racism and, and things like that. One thing that I'm going to do today that I have not done before, since I grew up down here and I have grown up around a few Puerto Rican folks and, and um, Chicanos and Mexicans down here in when I was growing up in Long Beach, I had a familiarity with some of the words that she was using that I it occurred to me that some of my audience, whether you're not American or you are American but you're part of, you're in a part of the United States where you don't have access to these cultures, you may not be familiar with some of these terms. So I'm going to preemptively define them for you so that when she does say it, you can stay, keep in, in line with the conversation. Some of it you can pick up from context cues and some of it you couldn't. So that's why I'm deciding to put it out here now. Uh, one of the words she used was Latinidad, which, um, it's really a Spanish language word that it means it's about the shared attributes of the various Latinx cultures. It, it's kind of a way of where you're you are not boiling them down all into one Latinx culture, but you're acknowledging the fact that there are multiple different cultures, different ethnicities, different countries in the Latinx world, but that there's an overlap, and it's that overlap that is the Latinidad. She also uses the term meate, which, if I'm pronouncing it kind of weird, that's just my lack of, of Spanish, but um, this was a word that I was familiar with because I grew up down here. It's a derogatory term that Mexicans or Mexican-Americans use Use to describe dark-skinned people. So it is a derogatory term. She talks about how her family was uh, called that term. Her father was called that by Mexican people here in Southern California, things like that. So that's why I put that out there so you know what that word means. She also said boricua, which if you listen to music, you probably have heard the word, but whether or not you understand the word is a totally different thing. For me, the way I've always understood it, and anybody out there in the Latinx world that wants to correct me, um, please do, but I've always understood boricua to mean poor. Puerto Rico, before the Spanish got there. Um, so anything that is like real Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, um, indigenous and, or the non-Spanish influence or the non-colonial influenced, uh, Puerto Rican, that's kind of how I understand Boricua. And she also used those words, um, Taíno, which is the indigenous people of the Caribbean. Uh, so there are Taínos in Puerto Rico. They're all over the Caribbean. But yeah, she, so like her background is a mix of the Taíno and the black and the Spanish and all that kind of stuff in terms of her Puerto Ricanness. She also uses the word "desi," which these are. This is a, a term used to describe the brown people of the Indian subcontinent. So Pakistani people, Indian people, Bangladesh, folks like that. The, um, she, gets a, she gets confused with being Desi or half Desi, so she does say that. So I just wanted to put those words out there so that you know what she's talking about. Uh, but yeah, we get into it. We get a little bit grimy. We talk about racism and sexism and all those types of things. We talk about her comedy. We talk about supporting women and women of color and LGBTQ women, trans women. We talk about safe spaces for LGBT folks and how when cis straight people come into those spaces and they're not realizing their impact on the safe space, the removal of the safeness of the space when they're present. So we get into some dirty topics and and that's it. Like that's what this show's about, right? It, we talk about our intersexual identity and uh, Palmyra is very intersectional, just like I am, and we live our intersectionality like right there on Front Street. So it was a really interesting conversation. I can't wait to share it with. You you guys and like I said we got more coming down the pipe with all these other recordings I have so yes without further ado let's go ahead and jump over to our episode 20 with Palmira Muniz and yeah let's get it going I'd just like to welcome my guest, Palmira Muniz. Why don't you tell our guests uh, a little bit about yourself and, and then we'll get into it. Hey, what's up? My name
1: is Palmer Muniz. I'm a comedian, writer, filmmaker, and creator living in Los Angeles. Um, I'm originally from New York and grew up a little in Orange County. Um, yeah, and I'm just, you know, here being uh, a bi-black bitch.
0: <laughs> there you go. So I first, I heard about you before I met you or before I saw you through our shared friend, Marie, Who? Yes, is... my marshmallow. <laughs> she's your marshmallow, <laughs> she's <Yes>. so cute. <laughs> so Marie and I were in sketch class together at the Ruby and we became friends, and then she's the guest on my sixth episode of Militantly Mixed, and then I went to a show that she curated that you did stand up in. So that was the first yeah. time I got to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you're you're very funny, but also Thank I guess you. we had inter we interacted a little bit through email beforehand, but it was nice to like get to see you perform before I even got a chance to to actually talk to you and, and stuff like that because you in your own set, you just laid the groundwork for everything that we w- we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> right. Right.
1: Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so
0: I do have a lot of Afro Latinas on the show. Uh, so we talk about a lot of different aspects of the complexities surrounding Latinx culture and, you know, being Afro Latinx, white La- Latinx, Spanish Latinx, everything like that. Why don't we talk a little bit about sort of like how you understood yourself in your, in the whole Latin thing growing up?
1: Well, when, you know, obviously in New York, um, learning about me being Puerto Rican and like being amongst like other Puerto Ricans and, and Dominicans and pretty much every single person from Latin America and Latin diaspora, um, you know, we got to learn about each other's culture really quickly. I knew a lot about different cultures at such a young age. And, you know, all of that kind of stopped when I moved to Orange County Uh, when, you know, the main demographic of Latinos were definitely Mexican and other Central American, but predominantly Mexican. And, you know, I was always brought up to understand that, like, while I was Puerto Rican, like, there was still Blackness in my family. So, you know, of course, we had ties with Black American culture in New York. And, you know, when I moved to California, I kind of Although I was friends with a lot of the Latino kids, a lot of the other Mexican-American kids, the other black kids were the ones that were, you know, were a lot more accepting of of my blackness and even of my Latinidad. They're like, oh, you speak Spanish? That's cool. OK. You know, and and, you know, but they just saw me mostly as like a Puerto Rican kid or but mostly a black kid, whereas... And I, I had acceptance there and it was great, but um, not so much acceptance with my Latinidad in the Mexican community. There was not a lot of uh, unity there for me, even as like a young child, you know, I was denied a lot, especially because I didn't speak Spanish. Oh, okay. And that was really hard. In, and uh, when I did live back East because I didn't speak Spanish, that was also an issue too, with other Puerto Rican kids and, and Dominican kids. Mm. So me not speaking Spanish, was um, a lot was one of my boundaries that disconnected me with the Latin with the Latinx community no matter where I was. Mm.
0: Well, that, um, that, that's kind of strange. I mean, I grew up down here, too, in Long Beach and and our, the Mexican kids that I grew up around. It was a mixed bag if they could speak Spanish or not. They could mm. all pronounce things with Spanish yeah, accents, yeah, you know, yeah, but, or, yeah. uh, or I guess specifically Mexican accents. But they you know, it would be a lot of Spanglish, mixed English and Spanish, things like that. Um, but they were, were they, they, they even down in Orange County, they were hard on you for,
1: it, it, you know, and I knew the Spanish too. And I, you understand all your elders, you understand what they're saying to you in Spanish. And that's as good as like my Spanish God. And mm. I eventually took Spanish when I got older and ended up sp- being the most, um, they speak the most Spanish out of all my siblings. And, you know, it was just the, the inability to have like full on conversations, with folks and to, like, be able to, like, talk shit in Spanish, like, my talking shit in Spanish ability was very minimal, um, and so, or even, even to connect with them on a cultural level, like, you know, they, they talked about, like, anecdotes that only folks in the Mexican or Central American community can only experience. Well, I didn't have those experiences. And, you know, some of our, a bunch of our words are different. And, you know, there was, there's this, unfortunately in the Latin community, no matter where you are, there's like this unspoken like hierarchy and it changes every time you speak to a different Latin person. And you know what I mean? Like no one ever thinks that their community or their nationalities are like, the bottom of the totem pole, <laughs> right? Um, uh, but they're at the top, and everybody else is at the bottom. So, you know, you go to a Mexican community, and that's what it is. You know, it's very a uh, Mexican ethnocentric, and, and you know, it's instead of like saying an all boys club, it's an all Mexican club. Right. And I was never invited ever. So, um, and it wasn't just me, my experience, it was and mind you, my father's, you know, looks Latino, looks mainly mixed. And has blackness in him. And you can tell that mm-hmm. speaks perfect Spanish and all of that. But, you know, was still called Mayate behind his back mm. by a lot of folks from the Mexican community. Mind you, my father knew exactly what they were saying right. I Checked them a bunch of times. But even even he was, you know, excluded from from the culture. And he was, quote unquote, a more acceptable Latin person. You know, my dad, my dad's a melo, like, salsa musician. And you know what I mean? So like he was more of like the 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 trope of a latin person but was still denied because of his blackness so it mm. was you know even as a child like my own experience like it happened to my father like with grown-ass adults
0: right just, what about the rest of all your extended family like is it a mix of people who some look black some look you know, yeah Spanish, yeah some and
1: look- definitely like keep in mind that my my siblings and i we all have we're half siblings because that's mm-hmm. just how we, that's how puerto ricans do i don't know <laughs> but like it's it's I, I, I'm I'm hundred percent sure that even if we all shared the same parents we would still look all different There right. would still i would still be the black one um my brother eric he's he's more on the mulatto side you could definitely tell he's half black but now that he's older he looks more like just very light-skinned my other brother looks filipino everybody thinks he's filipino <laughs> so like we had like there's always like an asian looking person in a puerto rican family right and so we you know all all of our experiences like yes we all face like xenophobia in the sense so we connect in that way but like our the the racism that we all experience are significantly different Mm -hmm. my my brother never really left the East Coast, you know, like a Bronxite forever. And he.
0: You mean like in mentality? Um, Yes.
1: But like he also just never really left the Bronx. Oh, still I see what you're saying. Yeah. And so his experience with racism is in a different extreme than mine. You know, obviously mine is tied with sexism, you know, being a woman. Right. And, you know, but at the same time, he's had white people out here being the most violent towards him when it comes to racism instead mm-hmm. of other people of color being racist towards him so right. his his experience overall is just different and he hasn't dealt with you know the I don't want to say abuse, but that's the best word I can find right now uh, yeah. from Mexican or Central American communities who um, question his latinidad. That's not some, something he can necessarily speak on. Whereas my brother, my other brother and myself who graduated high school in California, were definitely like that's definitely like a permanent, you know, memory in our experiences growing up. Hmm. So. You know, like the way we look along with like we're kind of all spread out like regionally, you know, we just like those in combination, like definitely like create like something that we all have, even though we're all siblings. Right.
0: Yeah. Here in especially growing up in Southern California, what I mean, what I always understood to be kind of an unusual aspect of Mexican heritage down in Southern California specifically was that you had the mix between, you know, Mexican immigrants, uh kids that were born here and their first generation Americans and their parents were from Mexico. And then you got the old Mexicans who have been here since before Mex, before this California was part of United States versus part of Mexico. So they were, you know, they're like hardcore in there to right. you know, that right. kind of stuff. And you could tell that even amongst them, they were very divided. Like, right. You know, I'm right. not an immigrant. You're an immigrant like that kind of stuff would kind of go down. And so if even within their own community, they're extremely divided, then you can only imagine like once you start going to the other parts of the Latin world, like what you know what that would be. But also specific. And I don't know if this is specific to Southern California. I thought it was, but I could be wrong. Down here, though, there was a big divide between Puerto Rican and Mexicans, and you always saw that in uh, school fights and in boxing, <laughs> like right, right, like, right, like you, you, you squat up for real. If you, if you are on the on your Puerto Rican side, or if you're on the Mexican side, there is no See, like.
1: I, I just didn't even know there was enough Puerto Ricans for that to happen. Are there enough Puerto Ricans to even beef with you? I like, mean, you I know, know there I mean? wasn't I, as
0: big a community in comparison. I literally
1: but thought it was just my family. No, <laughs> I grew so up with Puerto
0: that. Ricans too, uh, because and that was the first time I realized what people thought I looked like. Because, um, mm. you, like I b- back in the in the early. 90's, 90s, I had crunchy curly hair and I stacked my bangs just like the vatos out here. And stuff. So, oh uh, but because of, like I'm mixed, but my hair isn't like black hair. My hair is closer to Asian hair. And that, that was just the style at the time, you know, 1990, right. 1992, whatever. And so like I look like that. And so I would be confused for being Mexican a lot and people would speak Spanish to me and I don't speak Spanish. And uh, but I didn't quite look like I looked I look like p- passing Mexican, like I could just right. kind of get past. And then once you realize I wasn't Mexican, it's like, oh, well, then you must be Puerto Rican, because down here we had Puerto Ricans. We didn't have a whole lot of Dominicans. So my part of the school that I went to in Long Beach, we had we had black kids, we had black and Puerto Rican kids. We had Puerto Rican kid, a couple of Puerto Rican kids, and then we had Mexicans and then like four white kids and a whole bunch of Hmong and Vietnamese. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. like like that was kind of the the spread out for my school. So because I didn't quite pass for Mexican, I must be one of those um, Puerto Ricans. You know, right, that kind, and of thing. I
1: feel like it's like the when you're racially ambiguous looking, it it, it 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 for some reason it gives people a lot of anxiety, and they need to categorize you. Right, like I need to put you somewhere. I need to put my finger on it. Like you need to fit a phenotype that I've seen of the, these type of people. And you know, sometimes it's cute, and we could play that game. But you know, it's it's hard to exist when con- when people are constantly trying to put you in a box.
0: Right, or that they won't even listen to you when you tell them what box you're you're giving them permission to put you in. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, I would constantly get like, "Oh, so you're like Mexican and black, right?" And I had to fight with people because obviously there's nothing wrong with being Mexican. If I was Mexican, it would be lit. Right, I'd be waving
0: that flag just as much as you would. Yeah,
1: you know what I mean. And so, like, I'd be playing soccer too. Like, (laughs) so it's just like. You know, I had to I had to fight constantly to explain to people that, you know, Puerto Rican had its own ethnicity, its own culture, its own its own history. And, you know, while at the same time trying to prove that I was worthy enough to to be Latino, because, again, you know, I didn't speak Spanish and I look predominantly black. It's so So. funny
0: how people are about that, too, because like uh, and and this is, you know, generalizing whiteness. This isn't saying all white people, but in generalizing whiteness and that they don't see that you could have. Eleventy billion different ethnic ethnic groups within Latin America, you know, or Asia to, you know, like I would tell someone I'm Japanese and then turn around and be like, you're Chinese, right? And it's like, no, I'm Japanese. Right. Same difference. Right. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, right. You'll hear people out here say some kind of Mexican. I don't know what kind of Mexican they were, but they're, you know, that kind of stuff where you're just like, right, um, mm-hmm. they're just they're either Mexican or they're not. There's something else. Right.
1: And, and <laughs> in New York, it's like it's, a, you know, some kind of Puerto Rican, some right. kind of Korean. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's whoever is closest to you in your region. It's that kind of community.
0: Yeah. It's like, I don't I don't comprehend your version of Mexican, but like my Mexican. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely.
0: So with that being kind of I mean, it's a complete part of the mixed identity, but specific to Latinx, I, I think, or at least what I feel like I'm uncovering in all these different discussions I'm having with mixed people. People, is that you can go your whole damn life not even identifying as mixed race because you identify with the, the nation, you know.
1: Right, like my... World. Um, both of my parents are Puerto Rican. So even that is kind of an anomaly in Southern California. I like whenever people would ask me like, oh, so, you know, what's your background? I would say I'm Puerto Rican or Afro Puerto Rican. And then they would ask me what else? And I would say that is it. <laughs> and right. So, you know, it it was it like it was that happy had just having two Puerto Rican parents because like the Puerto Rican community was so small where I was was so like out there. But I'm not like I'm technically not mixed, but I am. We are mixed. You know what I mean? Like my 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 father's Afro Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. My mother has Afro Puerto Rican in her family, but she in particular is not. So it's. Did you know, she
0: present more Spanish looking or more white looking? Uh, she's
1: Taíno looking. Okay. So yeah, so like, there's, there's like, there's Spaniard looking folks in my family for sure. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're the majority of like, if we're not, if the majority is not Afro, it's definitely Taíno.
0: Like, so native to to Puerto Rico. To the Puerto yeah, Rican people. Yeah. And um, and even within that breakdown, like, are there is there kind of a, a hierarchy? Okay, I, let's talk about let's get into the hierarchy stuff. In terms of your family, your direct people, what is Mm -hmm. their version of the hierarchy in terms of what's a real Puerto Rican?
1: you know it's so funny like my I a hundred colorism is a hundred percent real it is so fucking real (laughs) it's so like real I am benefiting and and being a victim of colorism at the same time when you're Afro-Latino for me specifically because I'm I'm light-skinned but in you know certain spaces I'm dark-skinned so it you know in my but in my family in particular the blacker you were the more boricua you were and the browner you were the more boricua you were like that like that was Super celebrated in my family. I mean, to my, like, for my father specifically. And, you know, whenever we had, like, Spaniard-looking folks in our family, like, we're all... Very loved and respected in our family, but it, it wasn't as like you just weren't it. No one was looking at you. No one was <laughs> <laughs> like you weren't cute. Like you just no one was <laughs> giving you special attention. And and you know it. So it to 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 hear about Puerto Rico specifically, like Puerto Rican cultures, like colorism in Puerto Rican culture specifically. I. It obviously to me it's like damn it does exist because it has to exist there's no way in hell it can exist but for for me to never really experience that around mm-hmm. puerto ricans i knew and like i you know my father only hung out with real like afro and taino looking puerto ricans like it, it you know, it was definitely like an eye opener, you know what I mean? Like I know in the Dominican Republic colorism is like significantly worse. It is, And, but I, you know, I can't ignore that it doesn't exist. Like I can't pretend that it doesn't exist in Puerto Rico just because my small family didn't, you know, project that onto us.
0: I mean, and and again, that goes to the unique and nuanced experience that we all have as mixed race people is that um, most of the people I speak to that maybe have a a black and whatever the other side of their mixed heritage is is, that usually the black part they weren't they weren't exposed to and so they're fighting you know they're fighting to try to like Earn their blackness, whereas right. I look the way that I do, but I grew up hundred oh, percent immersed in blackness. I lived in right. and and, and like black hoodness. So yeah. you know, when right. someone tries to come at me like you don't know how tough it could be, and I'd be like, nigga, I lived on the border of North Long Beach and Compton. You right. know, I know I look like this, but that did not mean I didn't you know have it a certain way or hard or whatever. Just because my accent has changed because I've moved out of the ghetto a long time ago or whatever. But not know. really. But it's not like hilarious. you can take you out of the ghetto, but like you can't take the <laughs> out the girl like it is still very much there my reactions to things are very similar still just the other day I have a bank across the street someone hit the bank there were 12 cops out there outside of the, at the out of the bank my reaction was what the fuck are those cops doing in my neighborhood not right. that like I didn't the, the the breaking in and robbing of the bank was secondary to how terrifying it was to see 12 cops sitting outside of that bank right. so like right. this is very much like my experience um, from the people I talk to is unique because I'm coming from a, a lighter skin presentation but a very black rich culture you seem right. to have that same thing too which is which is cool for me because of our interaction we'll be like oh <laughs> we we'll have that thing together um, right. but it just goes to show Show, like, how nuanced we are and that our listeners are going to sit there and be like, oh, wow, you know, we're not all this one, you know, we're not monolith, a monolith either, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um What about the divide between the Tainos and and like the Afro-Latin and the uh, white Latin presenting Puerto Ricans? Do When they are I, more I, pure, I, are they?
1: I mean, again, I nothing that i ever saw Mm. you know we weren't we're literally every shade of my family and both sides of my family and it was it wasn't it wasn't talked about really Mm. um but I'm 100 percent sure it exists. Right. It has to. It has to. There's no way it can't. There's no way that Puerto Rico is the safe haven of interracial <laughs> relationships. You know what I mean? Um,
0: do you have but, the kind of smell I, your own kind experience of, of Puerto Ricanness? Like other Puerto Ricans can spot you a mile away or
1: do oh, you? Oh, absolutely. They yeah. can hear me from a mile away. Um, like anytime time, you know, I talk like I open my mouth and another Puerto Ricans are around, they're like, are you Puerto Rican? You know what I mean? Like it's we're we were like roaches, we're everywhere, you know what I mean? But I do know that when the the old school generations it's definitely a problem because my my grandmother Um, she was African and Daino, born on the island. And, um, she, mind you, she was very, like, a college-educated woman. And she met my grandfather, my great-grandfather, who was a Spaniard, born on the island as well. And, you know, they had to do the whole running away together to New York kind of thing. Because Mm. both, both of their communities were like, what are you doing with this person? Right. And so the creation of, of my father's side of the family was of that experience on my my mother's side my grandmother was also a black puerto rican and my grandfather was was a spaniard as well mm. so they left the island i'm not 100 percent sure of the reason other than you know to to gain a better life but the old school parts of of our family are definitely like we marry our own kind around here
0: so, which seems like that I, would be so complicated to do in the Latinx world. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we are the same kind, though,
1: right? And that's where you know the the tie to like nationality to the just like the nationalist like sentiments sure. are like are just really messy because you know in Latin America we're literally white, Asian. You know, there's Latino. I'm sure there's Latinidad in in the Middle East. Like, let's stop playing. You know what I mean? Like, right. we're like every shade across the board. We look like every single person. You know, and it's 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 hard to just look Cuban or look Puerto Rican. Like, we look like everything. Anyone can look like. You know, any part of Latin America. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like with Asians, there's there are some things that distinguish us. Like I can usually tell a Chinese from a Korean, from a Japanese. Sometimes Japanese and Koreans are difficult because we do share a closer um, facial structure and look and stuff like that. Once you start getting in deeper into Southeast Asian, it gets a little bit harder. I can maybe, I can probably identify uh, Vietnamese or those that are sort of Chinese heritage, like Taiwanese or something like that. But once you start getting deep, deep Southeast Asian, I, I no longer can detect what kind of Asian a person is. And knowing that like there's a margin of error for anybody that I look at, like, you know, I think they look really Japanese, but they could, they're kind of darker skin, so maybe they're Korean, you know, things like that. With the, with the Latinx folks, it's like, If you look like a famous version of a famous person from your heritage, then then you feel like you can identify someone, but you might be totally wrong. Like, oh, that guy kind of looks like Cotto. So maybe he's Puerto Rican, you know, or something like that. But like, I don't feel like there are things that we just sort of know. As being like, this is a very Puerto Rican look, or this is a very, yeah, I mean, I guess Dominicans, I can usually pick out Dominicans. I don't know why. I guess maybe because I tended to be confused with Dominicans if I'm on the East Coast more than even Puerto Rican. But here I get confused more, I guess, Puerto Rican. And I grew up around Puerto Rican kids. Like I still, every time I see the Puerto Rican flag, I shout Puerto Rico, even though I'm not Puerto Rican. (laughs) Oh my gosh,
1: that's okay. Um, You know, in college for i for a good 2 years in college i everybody thought i was half desi and half black or half desi and half white and so i kind of don't really guess anymore I, you know, there's, 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 there are some folks where I'm like, nah, you Puerto Rican or, or, or whatever. <laughs> um, but you know, r- race and, and the, the like execution of like the way racial genes like look, it's sometimes it could just be up in the air. You know what I mean? You could have yeah. someone who you could have sworn was Asian but was Salvadorian the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, it's... it's, So I just stopped guessing altogether.
0: Yeah, plus it gets dodgy. Like, you can make some mistakes that really upset people. Um, Right, right, definitely. You don't know what their sensitivities are and stuff. Definitely. So how does... How do you become a comedian and... So one thing that I did love about your about the, the set, the one set of yours that I've seen is the um is that you do lace your your ethnicity and um, sexuality and gender and stuff like it's all the way through your set and everything, everything ties to your intersectionality. How do you go from just like being a mixed kid trying to navigate the world and be accepted to, you know what, I'm going to start talking about this on stage?
1: You know, because you because the thing is, is like, I uh, you know, we've all gone through like basically racial trauma. You know, the the bullying that my family as a whole has that, you know, we experienced. You know, my stepmother uh, was also Mexican and she was a white Mexican, extremely racist and, you know, denied our blackness all the time. And like just that that trauma to your to your your identity constantly happening. You got to talk shit about it. You got to you got (laughs) to do something to like make yourself laugh about it. Yeah, my thought my 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 family were all like not. My family is on not on stage comedians, but they like I learned how to be funny from them. So you know you just have to you got to laugh at shit. Like you know one mm-hmm. of my jokes is like because I grew up in California, like I'm a I'm a Jennifer Lopez and Selena, like because I live in California, I too have to play a Mexican, right? Like yeah. you just have to you just got to clown how how you know what cards you've been
0: dealt with yeah i agree like i i still I, I think and probably this is something that we we probably both share is is the idea of how some of our stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason like there's grounding for some of our stereotypes but we don't want anybody outside of our groups you know clowning on us for those things those are for yeah, us yeah well talk because about.
1: You, you know you're not part of the club yeah you
0: know. so like i'm black and japanese i'm either 15 minutes early or half an hour late but you can't tell me you can't point that out <laughs> i can say that you know that kind of a thing right, like right. if I, if right. I say that at work say
1: Puerto Ricans are all half siblings we're sluts we know, <laughs> you, know what I mean? like, you can't tell about like how we steal cars we know uh, like yeah definitely yeah. um I think I think talking about like my I can't talk about my latinidad and my african my blackness without talking about my gender without talking about my fatness without talking about my queerness because it, they never separate they yeah. never separate though they are together as one for myself you know and like I I I because I was dark, because I was fat, because I was a weird kid. I pulled a lot of attention to myself or rather mm. I'm hard to miss. And mm. so, you know, that would, that would create more of a situation for me to get bullied for whatever of those identities. Right. Not saying that I deserved it and it was my fault. Um, I'm a vision and that's not, you know. <laughs>
0: that's what you I'm also saying. on stage exude like a lot of confidence where you're like, you know, you can say whatever the fuck you want. It's not going to, it's not going to penetrate. That was basically one of the things that you just came out on stage and you're like, here's all the boxes that you are trying to check with your mind right now and here's what i'm going to let you accept from
1: that. right right because people are going to think whatever about you and you know it's important to assert yourself and like to let people know like whatever you may think is probably wrong but you know hmm. i think definitely not just an on stage thing that is definitely my presence 24/7 because i had to learn how to be that way i had to learn how to defend all of my identities because they were constantly under attack by you know if it wasn't people on the outside, it was people in my, in my family, like my stepmom or just stupid people like attacking, you know, my gender, or my sexuality or my fatness in my family. Right. So because like just because ain't nobody made fun of me because I was black in my fucking family doesn't mean they wasn't making fun of me for other shit. Right. And so, you know, you got to you got to just like protect you. You got to protect your experiences and what you've gone through, because, you know, that's all that's all you have at the end of the day
0: yeah you know do you feel that there are times in which they are separate or hierarchical or do you constantly feel like you were just like an even across the board you are
1: no no there there are times uh, you know obviously when someone's saying homophobic or biphobic shit you know my gen my sexuality is being under attack right and Mm -hmm. you know when someone's exubing exubing you hear me um exhibiting (laughs) like (laughs) uh fat phobic Uh, attitudes, you know, I got to, you know, protect my fatness, right? Yeah. And so there are times where um, they do separate depending on the situation, but there will, you know, I I met in the sense that like, oh, I'm a Puerto Rican woman first. Or I'm a Puerto Rican first. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't even say it, right? Because I said I'm a Puerto Rican woman first, right? Right, but yeah. there's never a first altogether, you know? So because, yeah, they're all, like, my... I don't know. I look pretty bi. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like, I hate when people are like, yeah, that guy looks gay. Like, that's stupid. But I look like that, definitely, with the fucking rolled up everything. But, um, you know my identities are on my face like they are extremely right. present so you know I gotta protect all of them at the same time so
0: so I'm a little different in that I do feel my races are more present before my gender and before my mm. sexuality and mm. although there are times in which it is a part of it too where like you are I feel like my sexuality is a part that, that tends to be removed more only only from other people's view of me because I happen to have married a, a man but but, um, yeah, right but right. I'm you know I'm bisexual and polyamorous and so for me my sexuality my bisexuality is hyphenated it's bisexual right. py- polyamorous whereas others Ooh. may not quite have that type of thing but right. um, I'm not polyamorous right. yeah right so like in my case i'm i'm heteromantic and homosexual in that I'm more sexually driven towards women but I am more romantically driven towards men mm-hmm. uh, so there's times <laughs> when like I can i no, can
1: see, see and you're and you're even downplaying your own sexuality to another bisexual person you right don't know
0: how to do that Well, see, we do this right because we're programmed with that visibility thing. It's like, well, bisexuals aren't really gay, like they're really not part of the gay community. I
1: definitely I definitely always. And mind you, I, I my first sexual experiences with were with women first. And, you know, my first crush was a girl first. And and not that it matters, but, you know, I'm definitely gay. But, you know, I've had more relationships with men. And mm. sometimes, like, I have to, like, coach myself, like, pomira you're still queer. You're, you know, you still like what you like, and it's still okay. Your relationships don't define your sexuality 100%. And, you know, it's, it's definitely something, like, I feel like bisexual folks and pansexual folks like definitely beat themselves up a lot right when it and comes to like their identity you're just
0: not even aware of when you're doing it like when you called me on it just now i was like oh i did just do that like you know right, like, even right, in a moment right. i didn't even think that i was doing it um, right but right. We, you know we deal with visibility as a big issue i i feel there are times that i even downplay mm-hmm. my my bisexual identity against men bisexual men because i feel like like if i'm screaming for visibility these motherfuckers really need visibility you know because yeah they're, because they're decided that you're just gay you're just too much of a chicken shit to come out and right, be like all the right. way gay and that's not fucking fair at all it's not and it's not fair that even like even as a bisexual woman that there was a period of time when I also thought that same even in same. my own identity as a person I was out, to both. like I was out like same <laughs> and you're just like disappointed in like your past self because you're just like you know all this shit Jeez. that happens to you you were doing to somebody else like you're right. fucked up but so like in my case When this is something I think is unique to white queer people is that they can be queer. They can just be queer.
1: It's no like queer queerness for white people. Like it's the white man's minority. And so like white people, like you said, definitely get to be queer because that's their only other. That's the only way they're othered. And it's fun for them. And it's great. Yeah. Whereas like but being black and being bi I mind you I'm just like we're just light-skinned yeah so like imagine being a dark-skinned black woman
0: right and you know or a dark-skinned like, trans woman like yeah
1: who's also bi so everyone yeah, just like, like
0: check all the boxes bitch <laughs> like, yeah yeah like
1: it's it's you know <laughs> like I have this str- you have no systemic struggles yeah and the only thing that's working that the only thing that you really need in life is marriage equality because you have everything else. Yeah, While right. But we don't have, we like, giving giving the queer community marriage equality is, like, not even the tip of the iceberg. Right. But for white queer folk, it's everything. Yeah. First of all, not all of us want to get married. And second of all, we're starving, bitch. Like, when are queer yeah. people going to get food? When are queer people not going to be fired from their jobs for being queer? Right. And that's something that white folks who, I hate saying this because I know it's not 100% true for everybody, but it is true for some white folks that you can pull back And not, and you can be in the closet. You can hide, yeah. Yeah, you can, you, you can decide to be in the closet and and to protect your privilege even though your queerness doesn't ding your privilege your white privilege at all
0: that is a something of my personal struggle in in my bisexual identity in that because I married a man who really Mm. like I happened to fall in love with my best friend from high school I can't do anything about that
1: is your husband white
0: he's he's white adjacent he's um he's half white half Palestinian but he grew up white like he didn't know Uh, the Palestinian side but he grew up a Around black kids so he oh, okay, okay, he's okay. one of those people that he doesn't sound like he's not like a wigga type he's not like a I, i'm trying to be black or i'm trying to be down right, he's right. just like he just grew up a white folks. dude who grew up with black folks who's accepted by black folks and he gets everything that we're talking about and he knows right. when to insert and when not to insert so
1: and if he's mixed i'm pretty sure he also looks like us like he, he
0: looks, looks yeah he looks ambiguous like i see a mixed person Perfect. i think most people like i certainly like right now he has a beard and it, i would not fly i would not let him fly with a beard, basically, because mm-hmm. he would be too much of a randomly selected person um, <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> right. So, like for me, yeah, he's definitely mixed. Presenting most of the people I introduce him to will will say like, "What else is your husband?" Like they they can see it right away. He doesn't see it because he didn't grow up with that identity. He didn't have any knowledge of it until we were in our twenties. Mm. Um, but like he gets it, and he even more so now, probably than ever in our relationship. He's far more aware of just how unimportant any issues he may have as a cis male, you know, and, and mm-hmm. sort of white understanding, like none of his ma- issues matter right now. <laughs> like he, right, like right. he's well, like, everything I, I, else is yeah. important. Um, yeah. And it's a rare thing. And obviously, I pro- probably someone like me who has a podcast about race and and as a producer on a podcast about radical queerness, like we would not be together if he could not D- right. you know, maneuver in that world or whatever. Right,
1: definitely. Um, but like I don't get I see, and that's what I feel like a lot of white queer folks or even queer adjacent folks, you know, mm-hmm. like the straight girls who go to the clubs and they have one gay friend. Um, you know, they're willing
0: to Yeah, date. straight straight girls stop going to gay clubs and celebrating it's, your unless party Unless you are invited. And, real, yeah, unless like, you're real, invited like,
1: like there's I will okay. D- I just want to bring this up. There's this one time I went to this this uh queer club in Sacramento and Faces? There what uh I, I do not remember or the um Show? I will find out for you though because those were my
0: friends... those were my gay clubs growing up those are the
1: ones that I okay um, I'll, I was I'll find out coming out because like my I, I went with folks who are from that area and I, they should know and there was a bunch of like white white dudes and like white straight folks and you could just tell and you could smell it on people when they're straight and like there were a bunch of um older trans folks who I'm sure were going there sit safe Places, yeah, and you could just tell on their faces how alienated they felt in their own fucking space. So please stop doing that. I think
0: I know. I think it is faces that you're talking about. So because I lived in Sacramento during my time where I was finally able to understand what my sexual identity was, and it is. (laughs) It's so like shout out to faces for attempting to be inclusive, but their their openness is more dangerous. It's more dangerous because they were so welcoming of straight people. Gosh, I hate even saying it this way. But you know what I'm saying? Like, because they were so welcoming of straight people, it did reduce the amount of times. I mean, there were so many like and I'm doing quotation fingers right now, straight white men that would go to um, drag queen hunt, basically, you know, like yeah, they wanted to have that yeah, experience or whatever. Yeah. And you could see it happening.
1: I'm not, I'm not saying and and I know like there are straight men, regardless of race, who. Are just they are like their girlfriend may be in proximity, like their girlfriend may be, mm-hmm. you know, someone's best friend. And like it's genuine. And, and I, I know they exist. I've seen it myself. Right. But, you know, in this day and age, we can't take those risks all the time. And it's important for Queer folks and and queer folks of color, but queer folks in general, to have their own untouched space.
0: Yeah, like don't come to our spaces to gawk at us like we're animals or that or that we're this fun. You and know, like take our thing. free drinks and shit. Yeah, like, right. And, like, like exactly. Like um yeah. a pre, like allyship and is allyship and spectatorship is totally different. And I think that's that's what we that, get usually. I've never
1: heard that before. And that. that that spectatorship is definitely like a thing (laughs) like calling yourself an ally, but not in my opinion, I think calling like allyship is discomfort in many ways. Like there are going to be times where you should give money to somebody in that, in another community that is underprivileged or, you know, if, if a community doesn't like, me as in all my identities, just like I, in the oppression Olympics, so we gonna play that. <laughs> um, you know, I would win silver and for the folks who would win gold, it is my duty to help them, right. you know, just like I, I know I, I got it fucked up, too, but there's people who have it worse. Yeah. So like I got to dig in my pockets even though there's other people who should dig in their pockets for me. Right, exactly. But I got to dig in my pockets and provide money, you know, to other people. So when you're in our queer spaces, why don't you buy us drinks? Why don't you, you know, like pay somebody else's bill? Or why don't you, like, chat with the people you're alienating you're you're (laughs)
0: doing it at starbucks in the drive-thru so do it. you know do it yeah
1: like you know why don't you why don't you buy this trans woman a drink So you all up in her fucking space like it's it's you know again it's not one just to like you said spectate yeah like it's it's diversity and inclusion they're two different things like diversity is like the you know we're all here inclusion is like we kicking it like we're learning about each other we're we're helping each other. That's the inclusion part. And
0: just think about like in our cases, the people that are, you know, like you and I that are super like uber intersectional where we're women, we're queer, we're we're multiracial, we're multicultural, we're multinational. And we have to sit there and every space that we go, that is a quote unquote space, safe space for that group. If it's the you know, the Puerto Rican day celebration in New York or if it's mm-hmm. cherry blossom in San Francisco for me or whatever, mm-hmm. When you do see the people that are the outsiders. That's when you become like it's already it's already tough enough for me to maneuver in a Japanese space because of my mixed identity, although I feel very Japanese when I'm around it. I know that they're not viewing me as Japanese, so I'm already sticking out like a sore thumb and something like that. But then if you're not from the group at all and you show up, then now now you're encroaching upon me and reminding right. them that I'm another you know right. so it's like right. it's not one of those things where you want to say don't come here at all but at the same time don't come here <laughs> like at all yeah, let, like, us, let us let us have safety correct. right correct. yeah right yeah that's a, that's a that's a big thing and it's it's tough to like you're constantly juggling cuz as as queer people we have to come out we shouldn't have to but we legit have to like if we even if we don't come out like voice the words, I am a bisexual woman or something like that. Mm-hmm. If we bring a partner to an event at work, now they'll know what our sexuality is because of our partner or whatever, you know, or at least the have questions. Part, right. in, in my case, I've been. I've been out as bisexual and poly at two different jobs. And in those jobs, the reaction was really different. In the really conservative job, it became this really uncomfortable thing. And I could tell that the whole, you know, remaining time there, he was always thinking that whenever he saw me. Um, Oh, that's weird. And then my next job, they were too cool about it and invasive, (laughs) you know, like. (laughs) They were like, can we watch? Right, exactly. And that's what it was. And congratulating the holiday party and shit like
1: that's that that's weird know? that's weird that's that's super inappropriate right because I in hr i
0: work in HR. i was hr that was the worst oh, part yeah. about it i was the oh, director girl, or so the the senior manager of the hr department so yeah as like as well. it, it was just like all like so many things that cross a line and part of me wanted to say, "Oh, I should never have come out this way." And the other part of me is like, "Well, why the fuck was I the one who had to behave a certain way? They're the
1: right, ones who, exactly, was, who made it creepy." Exactly, uh,
0: exactly. But, but we don't just come out in our sexuality as mixed race people or racially ambiguous people. We have to come out as mixed as well, or we have to yeah, come no, out as I, our racial identity. I speak,
1: I speak Spanish to any person of Latin descent. Uh, it's you're Latino, like it's, it's like right. It's, it's and. Either, it's either oh how cool like like they'll uh, I, it's funny like older, older Mexican folks, know I'm Puerto Rican. When they hear me speak Spanish, they were like, I knew you were Puerto Rican. <laughs> and, and, you know, which is cool. Like it's, it's, it's nice. And then they never speak English to me ever again. Oh, <laughs> funny! It's, it's great. And it's, and that's what I wanted, you know, as a child. And, and the visibility there's like that other, we keep talking about. Keep yeah. Talking about, like. Yeah. And again, even though we struggle constantly, because I can not speak Spanish, it's still nice that, you know, you're trying to find some commonality with me. Right. And, you know, the, the Spanish language, which is a mess in itself but that's all we got right now right and you know and then it's either that or you know you have some negative experience with one puerto R- half puerto rican you've met in your life and then you want to project that onto me so and like i was telling right. you you know in 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 some spaces i benefit from colorism and in some spaces i don't and in the latin community 99 percent of the time you know colorism. I'm I fall victim under colorism. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm taught like even if it's there's another Latino in the room who is darker than me, but they look more Latino. If that makes sense, like because right. I look I look more Black American. Like people just think that I'm Black and white, or, or Black and Latino. Like you know right. that's just been the consensus.
0: Yeah, like so your because, your facial features similar to mine. You're gonna right. see that we're Black no matter even right. if we I have been. I did say
1: you look like my mom's. So right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you look like for real, i will send you a picture you look identical to her i want to see it yeah <laughs> and they used to call her tina because she looked filipino like i'm telling you like oh, filipinos funny. are a mess too we a mess too oh, but uh oh, um, the the you know regardless of the skin tone Is just the anti-blackness that is in the Latino community. Like, you know, I am deemed the negra, which I am, in comparison to this person, even though this person is darker than me. But they look Latino, you know.
0: So if, but you, but if you're around other Afro-Latinos or Latinas or Latinx across the board, you, you squat up, right? You, you like tribe up?
1: Oh, absolutely. Any, any Dominicans, any... Well, you know, squad up. It's so funny you say that when I've noticed that non-Mexican Latinos of any kind, Latino, lati- uh, not so much white Latinos because they don't give a fuck about us, but um, they, you know, regardless of being Afro Latino or or just brown or uh, indigenous, Latino, Latino, I'm sorry. We squad up. Mm-hmm. You Peruvian was good. You right. Colombian was good because like we've, uh, again, I hate to use the word abuse. But that's just what it was. Like, we've all been abused by the ethnocentric that is Chicano-Mexican culture. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all, they've all, we've all been, like, we've all had our Spanish made fun of. We've all been called ugly. We've all been called (laughs) not Latino enough. And, you know, or the words we use are bullshit. And we've we've all been through that. And so we squad up in general, regardless of being Afro-Latinidad. And then within that, Mm -hmm. you know, small group Afro-Latinos, I'm like, my nigga, you know what I mean? Like, we can say, yeah, right. <laughs> Y'all, they can't say it, but we can say it. You know what I mean? And and um, in and but in New York, it's not. Exactly like that. You know, we mm. there was no
0: there's clear divided lines even amongst the Latinx population. well it was it, it was
1: it, we would I mean we, it would be like the nationality thing, like Puerto Ricans were squat up, Dominicans right, were squad up. Right. But in general we were all cool, you know. There was always beef, obviously, because there's so you know, that's race wars, that's just what yeah. the fuck it is. But it was it there was never a split. There was never like here, whenever I hear uh come to this Latinx event, it really means come to this Chicano event
0: that. that's what it right is. down here yeah yeah
1: so and and it, it's not a secret they don't make they don't feel bad about it <laughs> like they you know it's
0: i mean it'll literally be like re- <laughs> green red and white yeah, the color scheme yeah, and so like, like I'm that
1: like, yeah all right yeah, yeah i will thinking about boxing somewhere else like yes definitely so i whenever i meet someone who's salvadorian i'm like what's well, good like it's it, because mm-hmm. we are the minority like mm-hmm. we are small and we have dealt uh 99 uh, percent of the time have dealt with some kind kind of abuse from the Chicano community.
0: Have you spent any time in Texas? God, no. (laughs) i only asked because I, because you know, because it's heavily, it's you know, it's Mexican, but it's also uh, Tejano and things like that. You know, even between those two groups, they're quite different. But like I, I lived in, I lived so so
1: in Texas. They don't say Chicano; they say Tejano. Like, yeah, uh, I know they're not. That's not the same thing. But like,
0: like the Tejanos are like old Mexico or old. It's Texas when Texas was Mexican. Right. They've been there that whole time. Right. right. Um, right. And so they're like fifth, fifth generation.
1: Right. Like, folks,
0: yeah. like this is legit yeah. their land. And then, you know, Americans just took it over or whatever. Um, and so there's a divide between those two groups as well. But like when I lived there, there wasn't other Latinx groups, you know, there wasn't right. that I had experience with. There weren't Dominicans, there weren't Puerto Ricans, there weren't Hondurans, there weren't El Salvadorians or anything like that. And so you don't like I wasn't sure, like I still to this day don't know what they exactly how it would work if other people showed up. It's just like you're black, you're, you're, you're I was going to say pink, white, um <laughs> <laughs> just slipped out oh, or you're Mexican or Tijano. And that's kind of like the only, the only thing. Mm-hmm. So I always wonder mm-hmm. like if there are any Puerto Ricans out there, like what their, what their experience would be like. Yeah. You know
1: Um, what? There's Puerto Ricans in the Midwest. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't we're everywhere. We're everywhere. So I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. And I I would I would be very interested to see what that experience would be like, especially that accent on a Puerto Rican person. (laughs) Uh, Every every Puerto Rican person, like most every Puerto Rican person I've met, unless they were from like Chicago or Jersey, like they have a New York tinge of an accent. I don't know how (laughs) I don't know how. But it's like a default accent.
0: Well, I, I think it, it has to it has to originate in Puerto Rico and it's just kind of like hell. Cause
1: you know what? The 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 whole um that I will say. The 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 I'm again, I'm hundred percent sure there's a, a Puerto Rican born in Puerto Rico and Puerto Rican's born in New York, beef. I'm sure there is. There again, there has to be. Right. But I wouldn't say it was as deep because like you know, because of our citizenship, obviously it's easier for the connection between the, you know, and the joke is, there and it's not just my joke. It's all of our jokes. Like Puerto Rico, like the Bronx is where Puerto Ricans are born. Like that's, you know, like Puerto Rico parts. <laughs> or what it's, uh, uh, someone said, Northern Puerto Rico is the Bronx. <laughs> so it's like, it's like we would always switch back and forth from the island to the Bronx constantly. And so kids who were born in the Bronx still spent time puerto rico constantly i've been yeah. to puerto rico a couple of times yeah. my siblings have been to puerto rico and i know a lot of people on this end who have never been to mexico so like right. that that beef and also uh, english is taught in, in in puerto rico as well i i feel a lot more than other countries because again you know because we're a part of the u.s right so uh you know that the whole like you're not puerto rican enough because you were born here like bitch you were born here too are you <laughs> you were born in this hospital too. You just moved back. Like it, it, it was never, it, I, again, I, not to the, to the severity that I've seen with other, um, cultures in general, period, regardless of, of like, you know, Latinx heritage. Like I haven't seen like that, um, in, in my family specifically.
0: Right. Um, so we're coming close to the end of our of our time here, but I, I, I would like I actually would like to to bring you on again later on and maybe if we can grab one of your sets too that we can, yeah, we can kind of put, yeah, put on absolutely. the show. Because not only are we here to talk about mixed race representation and all that kind of stuff, we're here about, you know, representation across the board. I wanna see um our comedians out there, I wanna see our filmmakers out there, I wanna see our musicians out there, like whatever. Yeah. You know, and promote the hell out of that stuff. So so we'll bring you back so that we can do that too. Do you have any events coming Thanks. up that you want to promote? Um, I
1: have a bunch of uh, sketch projects uh, with some groups. Um, I just recently uh, became a part of Latina Latina Ish. Um, okay. it, it's media content and, you know, we make sketches based on our Latinx experiences and it's, and it's actually great because I'm working with two light-skinned Latinas and you know, I feel like it's going to be a learning experience for them mm. and for all of us mm. and so I'm excited. Um, they're sweet girls and um, I just got involved with this fat sketch show. Um, so they're now they're all like on the ground so the next time I come over, you know, we'll be able to talk about them, but now they're like under underway. Cool. Um, and I've just been so busy with that, that, you know, comedy has been put on pause at the moment.
0: Um, but that's you, what I got. You did just do a set last night though, right? At Moral Support? Yeah. Yes. Because
1: um, I needed to get up again. So yes, I did. I did Moral Support yesterday. Uh, moral Support is a once, uh, uh, a monthly show that everybody needs to go to. It's run by Marie, mm-hmm. who we talked about earlier. And it's, it's great. It's, you know, specifically made for like women of color and queer folks of color. So it was, it was great.
0: Yeah. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you, and you want to check this out, the Moral Support Show gives um, the comedians a chance to be recorded so that they have a reel so that they can push it out and get booked in other places because it is extremely more difficult for um, comedians of color, uh, WOC, POC, LGBTOC, you know, across the board it's harder for them to book at the, at the top three or the other event you know other places in town Um, yeah because of that because they don't have reels so it's an opportunity for that it's at the ruby it's uh curated by marie watchkey from episode six like like uh palmyra said and um and so far like it took that first night because i went to the very first one and that it wasn't like crowded i mean it's a tiny you know black box theater but it it was it was a crowded night i missed last night um i missed the other time because i was out of town too but it's one of those shows that like i mean it's called it's so perfectly named to moral support. Like you're here to yeah, support these yeah. women of color and these comedians and, and things has, has it always been women? I know it was all women the night. Uh,
1: yesterday. Yes. Uh, we had Virut. Um, he's, he's queer and he's Taiwanese, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, and, or, or Thai, is that the same thing? I no, know they're the different, Thai. different races. Okay. So he's, so he's Thai. I apologize. <laughs> um, and you know, Murray just takes priority to, for women because like, There's so little of us in the community and, you know, Marie is very like pro empowering women first, yeah. women of color first, like yeah. we, specifically women of color first, 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 second and third. Right. So.
0: Yeah, no, She she's great about that. And if yeah. so it fits so cleanly into everything that we're trying to do over here at Main Hustle Media, it's like, yeah, it's like, yes, POC part is important, but the w, WOC part is yeah, because the most like that. important.
1: And then the queer WOC, and, you know, yeah. is, is it because we, you know, constantly always say like our racism is sexualized and our sexism is it's racialized. No, absolutely. So, yeah. So, you know, we have so many stacked up so much stacked up against us that like we need to like be there for each other and we need to uh, empower each other. And sometimes that means hold each other accountable, too. And mm-hmm. like, you know, we got to take care of each other. So that's definitely what we try to do and moral support. I'm not. I'm not a producer at all for that show. I just support Marie. Yeah, <laughs> but, say, you know.
0: same me. Like I, I've, I talked about it recently, and someone was like, "Oh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're doing all these projects." I was like, "Oh, I'm not even a comedian. Like, I'm funny, but I'm not a comedian. Like, I'm, just, right, right, I just right, have a friend." Right. <laughs> I was like, "I was
1: like, does Charmaine do stand up?" But I mean, I a stand up supporter is also just as good.
0: I'm, I'm so. a comedy nerd. I'm a big stand up fan, so I do go to comedy a, 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 usually about two times a week, once or twice a week at least. Um, and it, so it's a big part of me I definitely fantasize about doing it I've just never done it myself um I think my transition into if I ever decide to get on there I would probably be very similar to you in which there would be no way I couldn't talk about my my race and my gender and my sexuality as a sort of thing I, I'm I do I am funny and I think of myself as like <laughs> table funny like I can dinner table I can fuck up a whole table but like I don't oh know I don't <laughs> know if I'm like stand-up funny I'd have I'd have to try it out right so Bitch, I'm not even stand-up
1: funny. <laughs> funny I just talk talking shit yeah that's um, all it
0: is I just like to talk a lot of shit so yeah um, uh, tell everybody how to find you on social
1: media. oh okay so uh uh I am Viva La Palma V-I-V-A-L-A-P-A-L-M-A that's a lot of A's um, mm-hmm. on Instagram and Twitter. So, and my um email, which I will um give to Charmaine's house promo is uh, Writing at gmail.com. Hit me up for any freelance stuff, any projects, any, um any uh, shows. Um, I am a veil. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm always working, always saying yes to projects, even though I shouldn't. But,
0: um, I know, yeah. we're, we're all about that hustle. We got to grind into honestly, it, until we get out honestly, there. So I'll put honestly. all that stuff so- in the show notes, so that our, our our fans can can check you out and follow you. And I just think that this is gosh, this is the conversation, right? Like we got to talk about colorism in yeah. the, because it's not, it's, it's also in the, in the, you know, um, African disorder. We didn't
1: even, we didn't even touch on like the, the accessibility of the N word, which I feel is such a nuanced conversation. That's going to that...
0: be a panel discussion for me. Yeah. Like, like no, no joke because my husband is a college professor and they dealt with that in his class recently. And it was just like, oh, it was just one of those gut punch things. It, t- yeah. it comes up so often for on the, the record, show. For the
1: record, for the record, the more you look like Spanish, the less you can say the N-word, right. just for the record. That is the solution, uh, or that's the uh, summary of that what that panel would be like, but there's a panel that still needs to be Yeah, no,
0: <laughs> I, I definitely, like, it's come up, it, like, I've been, I've, I'm, I'm basically going to curate the hell out of this panel when it comes up, because I think we need to have it from the Black American perspective, I think we need to have it from the, the Latinx American perspective, and then anybody that's sort of on the cusp of it, where they're here but they're from somewhere else, like yeah. Um, I think I think it needs to really be a discussion that we can see just how fucking nuanced uh, these two words are two words people they're not the same fucking word but uh, <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> but yeah it's definitely something that we need to we need to get we're building towards it but yeah Oh, if you're happy to do it I'll bring you back for that for girl,
1: that girl I am well. ready I got notes I got my notes cards right here right I'm ready you know right
0: now right like yeah so yes. um, actually the reason why I am wrapping up though at the moment is because I am going to a comedy show uh so yeah, um, yeah, yeah we'll put uh so yeah I'm pro I'm here for pro comedy if there's other comedians out there that want to come on the show hit us up on all of our social media you know how to find us if you're listening it's in the show notes and any last words any parting thing you want to say to the
1: honestly Charmaine I just want to thank you for having me um you know Marie linked us and um I was so excited with, about her show her her episode was amazing yeah you're amazing you're super super brilliant super um you can you you just have such an ability to think critically and to understand and I always appreciate that in people and um, I love your love for comedy I think that's really great because you knew not being a comedian it's definitely genuine, genuine and um, not self-serving right. so you know, I just love funny people and
0: like yeah, you know, yeah, like no, that's the thing like
1: a producer you're being a producer without any um, intent about anything is nice and and you know you don't see that a lot and it's nice to be a woman and want to support other Women in showbiz in general,
0: right? That's the thing. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate that that mentality of you know we're not in competition with each other. We have to build up with each other, like link arms, build up, right? Sta- you know, right. stack the pyramid type of thing. Right. It's it's so tough for me to be in these situations, like in workplaces or whatever, when the the women are in competition with each other, or the people of color are in competition with each other.
1: Yeah, or um, like sis cis women in our communities. Are fucked up to trans women in our communities Like right. no, like, we're, like we're all sisters We're like, all sisters Fox. and we
0: gotta build each other up So um, on our other show Black Radical Queer, Javio Nicole Always says black women before everyone um, You know, my <laughs> version of that is is You know it it really is black women before anyone to before be honest, anyone, but, yeah, but yeah. like you know it's it's women of color before before everyone and um and and I'm talking about all women of color you know it doesn't matter where you from what part if you're mixed if you're not mixed if you're trans if you're cis whatever like we we really need to be we need to we need to view ourselves as sisters because we have to we're all we're all suffering the same shit whether it <laughs> doesn't matter what color we are we're all suffering the same shit when it comes to our sexuality or our gender yeah. sexuality. There's all kinds of shit we can get into that too but um yeah thank you so much for coming on okay take it easy all right thanks thanks so much Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, The One. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.